So Lord Jesus, hear the cry of our heart. Hear the cry of this song. Lord, hear our lament. Lord, I pray over each person gathered here today, each person listening online, and I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you will speak to their heart and to their spirit. Lord, for each person who has their own pain or grief, Lord, I pray that you will show your love to them, that they can pour that out to you. Lord, for our congregation, and Lord, as we think of the church of Jesus Christ around the world, and as we respond to the pain and the injustices in this world, Lord, we pray for your mercy. And we join in with the cry of this psalm and this song, and we say, how long, O Lord? Oh, Jesus, you are our only hope. That's why we put our trust in you. So, Spirit of God, teach us how to lament well today. Because, Lord, ultimately, we want to be drawn closer to you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in a moment, I'm going to invite Lizzie, our junior high director, to come and read a passage of scripture from Lamentations. But just a bit of context before she does that. Lamentations is a whole book written about lament. And it was written to a nation, a nation that had lost everything, a nation that had lost their city, their home, their temple, their lives often. All of their possessions, everything that was dear to them was all lost and taken away by a horrible invasion. And then to top it off, many of those people were exiled and taken away from their own countries. And so this book is about that kind of lament because of that kind of pain and loss. So this is just a short ex excerpt from it, but lamentation. So Lizzie, come. Lamentations 3, 19 to 24. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. So a little more on what is lament? What is the meaning and purpose and call for us as followers of Jesus to enter into this spiritual practice or this way of lament? Now, very simply, lament could be defined, as Christians anyway, as grieving with hope. Or I might say deep, honest, raw grieving with hope in the one that actually can do something about it. So as followers of Jesus, that's grieving doesn't, or lament doesn't just end with the pouring out of the grief. That's the beginning. It's about taking that grief to the one that we can put our hope in. So that's kind of the, the core of what, um, of what lament is all about. Now, I talked earlier about the book of Psalms and how the Psalms is one-third laments. And I've often said to people, you know, be in the Psalms because the Psalms is actually what gives us as Christians a prayer language. It's what actually gives us a vocabulary to know how to address God. 
And as I've encouraged people that way, every once in a while, I'll, ha I'll have someone say back to me, well, you know, that sounds really nice, but I actually find it difficult reading the Psalms. And so then I scratch my head, and I say, well, why do you find it difficult reading the Psalms? And then they say to me, well, because sometimes it feels like the psalmist is just complaining all the time. They're not encouraging me. It just sounds like they're complaining and they're questioning God and, and it doesn't encourage me because it just feels like complaints. Now, maybe some of you have felt that way as you, when you think about lament, when you think about some of those lament psalms. It's like, I thought God was supposed to inspire us to praise and hope. What good is it to complain or to challenge God on things? What good is there in that? Maybe you felt that way. Well, consider, consider this quote that talks about complaint. See if it comes up there. It says, complaint, there it is. Complaint is an accusation against God that maligns his character, but a lament is an appeal to God. Now, just think about that for a moment. Oh, it's gone already. <laughs> um, complaint is an accusation against God that maligns his character, but a lament is an appeal to God based on confidence in his character. Now, when I first read that quote, I really liked it, and I thought, okay, this is a good quote for the church. This will help all of us who are struggling with this idea of lament. But, you know, as I thought about it more, I actually found myself somewhat disagreeing with it. And this is why. When you read the Psalms of Lament, when you read the books of Lament, I haven't brought up the book of Job yet, but there's many, many classic lines in the book of Job where Job is outright challenging God. In fact, outright challenging God's character even. So I think there's lots of scripture that actually shows us a lament that does complain and challenge. And I would suggest to you that I think God's okay with it. I would suggest to you that God even welcomes it because he so much values relationship, honest relationship with his creation. There's another quote I want to read in a, in a moment that is from a scholar, pastor, leader, author by the name of Ruth Haley Barton. And her leadership and writings have been such an encouragement to the church and especially to leaders. And um, she's an American, and she, was, she wrote an article recently on just all of her pain and lament and wondering what to do as a leader in the midst of just all of the racial strife that's going on in America right now. And so it's kind of in that context that she wrote this, and I want to read this quote to you. She's talking about lament when she says, not just a time to weep and wail and get our feelings out, as important as that is, but lament as a powerful practice that fosters intimacy with our God and with each other, that moves us forward in faith, and that compels us to take right action in a world where so much is wrong. Now, what I love about this quote and what I would suggest to you is the teaching of Scripture and lament is just how much God wants us to come with that honest, raw pain. And the reason that he wants us to come to him is that in the process of coming to God with our lament, we're turning to him rather than turning away from him. You see, the ultimate goal of our enemy is to get us to turn away from God. And so if pain and suffering and injustice and all of that anger just has us turn away from God, he's one. 
But when we take the pain and the anger and all of the emotion and all of the questioning and, yes, even the complaining, even the challenging of God, when we take all of that raw feeling and emotion and we actually turn to our God and we say, well, God, what about this? Just like the psalmist always does. Where are you? Why are you absent? Why have you abandoned me? Why don't I see you dealing with all this injustice? What's going on, God? I wonder, I question, I hurt, I grieve. God actually loves that we would come to him, that we'd rather than turn away, we would turn to him. You know, I haven't met a parent yet who's dealing with a child who's really struggling that would choose separation and silence from their child over even having them come at them with the harshest words of anger and pushback. That would hurt, yes, but they would way rather have the conversation so that they can deal with it than just to be cut off. And I believe that God's heart is so much for intimacy with his creation that it's not only valuable, but it's good and he desires our lament. It's healthy for us and it grows our intimacy. And you know, it's out of that intimacy that we can begin to pray boldly. Have you ever noticed that it's the people who have gone through the most pain that pray the boldest prayers? You see, it's that intimacy and that trust that gets built in lament that gives us the courage and the strength and the audacity that God loves for us to pray those bold prayers. And that builds and increases our faith in the one that we put our hope in. So one final quote from the same author that I disagreed with a little bit, but I love this one. And he says this, Lament is not only for the suffering, Lament is not only for the suffering, it is for solidarity with the suffering. We love our neighbor when we allow their experience of pain to become the substance of our prayer. So can I encourage all of us today, in these first steps or these baby steps we're taking to respond to this overwhelming and painful and difficult issue of racism in our society today, Can we add to those steps of being compassionate listeners and choosing to reach out in relationship? Can we now add lament? The kind of prayer, the kind of lament that leads us to a place of solidarity with those who are in pain and to become intercessors, prayers, pain joiners as we lament and pray before our God. So I encourage you to enter in encourage you to think and meditate on that. And now we're going to continue our journey. So I've, I've asked Erica Fraser if she's going to come and read a beautiful psalm of lament, Psalm 42. And then once again, Tyler will come and lead us in a song. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. 
Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, by night his song is with me, a prayer to the Lord of my life. I say to the Lord, my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Well, similar with the last song, if you want to sit and reflect and um, pray or sing from your seat, you're welcome to do that. If you want to stand and sing, um, please do that if, if, you, uh, if you want to do that, but uh, make sure that you do wear your mask when you sing. This is my prayer in the desert When all that's within me feels dry This is my prayer in my hunger and need My God is the God who provides And this is my prayer in the fire or trial or pain there is a faith proved of more worth than gold so refine me lord through the flame i will bring praise i will bring praise no weapon formed against me shall remain i will rejoice i will God is my victory and he is here. This is my prayer in the battle when triumph is still on its way. I am a conqueror and co-heir with Christ, so firm on his promise I'll stand. I will bring praise, I will bring praise, no weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice, I will declare, God is my victory still God, I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. All of my 
are still God, I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. I will bring praise. I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will That song was called Desert Song. And the imagery of the desert is obviously a place of dryness, a place of aloneness, a place of lament, a place of grief. We sang in that song, too, about in every season. So let me ask you, what season of life are you in right now? For some of us, this, this may be a season of grief. This may be a season of struggle. And I just want you to know today how much your God wants to be there for you in the midst of that season. I want you to know today how much your God is for you and wanting you to come to him with this intimacy and with this faith and to trust him enough to say, I can pour out every doubt, every question, every bit of anger. And he invites you to do that. So if that's where you are today, as we respond, come to the Lord with the personal lament of your heart. I also, though, today want us to respond corporately as a congregation. You know, and as we've been through this series and we've heard different testimonies, we've heard Bruce talk about the enormity of this issue. I don't know about you, but I feel in myself, and I know I've heard from many, just this sense of being overwhelmed. That this issue of racism, how we respond appropriately as followers of Jesus, it just seems so huge and so beyond us that at times we just get overwhelmed. I hear over and over again people's hearts that are saying, I want to do something. I want to learn to care more. I want to repent of my indifference and, and my lack of understanding and education and even ignorance at times. I hear lots of people say that. I hear a lot of people cry out saying, why can't we do more? The injustices are just so vast and so grievous at times that my heart just breaks and it's so painful. What do we do? Sometimes we can just feel so helpless as an individual and, and even as a predominantly white Western church. How do we respond? Those are the bigger questions that I'm thankful that Pastor Bruce and others are asking and posing. But what I'm suggesting today in a simple but I hope really profound way is that we can come to lament corporately and just simply pour out the pain of all of that overwhelmness to our God 
and say, oh God, this world is so full of injustice, so full of pain. Please, we beg, we cry out, God, act, move, pour out. Prompt me to pray. Prompt me to action. Those can be our prayers, and I invite you to consider that. So with those invitations, I'm just going to leave a few minutes of silence. I know silence probably doesn't translate best over a live stream. It'll, most of this kind of meditation probably needs to be done later after the service. But I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak now, even in just a couple minutes of silence. Allow him to speak to you. Where is he calling you personally to lament today? How is he calling us as a church to lament today? So meditate and pour out your heart to him. Father God, hear the heart cry of your people. We pray together, O oh Lord, hear our prayer. Listen as I read for you now a story, a true story of someone who knew pain, loss, grief, lament, but also hope. Horatio Spafford was a successful attorney and real estate investor who lost a fortune in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Around the same time, his four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, 
He sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio Spafford's daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved alone. What shall I do now? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had, that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the very spot where the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters, words of grief and pain, along with comfort and hope, filled his heart and mind. And he wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
So thank you, Jeanette and Vi. Hang on for just a moment. I get a sense that everyone here was dying to sing and didn't know they had permission. You did. We should have mentioned it. So I think we have to sing verse 1 again. So get back there. We'll sing verse 1 again. Stand, put on those masks, and bellow it out. It's a beautiful hymn of the faith. And God deserves our praise even in the midst of lament. So let's worship him. to close our And that verse, I believe, says this. My sin 
Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That's why we celebrate communion in the midst of a lament. We can lament our pain and our sin, but Jesus took it all on the cross to provide forgiveness of sin and hope for a future when his kingdom would come and his will would be done and healing and hope and restoration can come to our world. That's the hope we celebrate when we come to the table, when we come to a time of communion. I want to take you back to Jesus' last moments on the cross. And the scriptures tell us in Matthew and Mark, some of Jesus' last words as he cried out to the Lord were, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You may not know this, but Jesus was quoting a psalm of lament, Psalm 22. Historians tell us that Psalm 22 was the prayer cry of many first-century Jewish martyrs. Is it possible that part of Jesus' cry of lament from the cross was a cry of solidarity with the pain and the suffering of the people of his day? I believe that was part of it. It was a fulfillment of Scripture. But when we hear that Jesus quoted Scripture and a prayer of lament from the cross, it can be disturbing at first glance how the Son of God and all of that pain could actually cry out those words, God, you've forsaken me, you've abandoned me. And yet, isn't it beautiful to reflect on the humanity of Jesus? Being fully God, but fully human. He hung on that cross. He bore that pain. He prayed to the Father for that cup to pass in prayers and tears of lament. And he cried out in all of the pain and the fear and the abandonment that he felt in that moment. And yet, did God judge him for that? Not at all. He looked down with pleasure on his son who followed through in obedience to fulfill the plan and to save the world. That's why in the midst of a lament, we come to celebrate communion together. So I'm going to ask Pastor Kevin to come and join me. So if everyone has one of those cups, just to have you get it ready, We'll, we'll partake together when I give instruction. But I just want to remind you what the scriptures tell us about the night when Jesus started communion and this practice that the church has done for over 2,000 years. Scriptures actually begin in some of the gospels saying that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. It always strikes me that it was in the midst of that situation, there was also some lament and pain already within his closest disciples. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it. He served them, and he said, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then later in the meal, Jesus took the cup, and he said, this cup 
is the new covenant, or it's the new plan in my blood. The new covenant, the new plan is the hope and the forgiveness of sin. And that is for you and what I'm about to fulfill. So as we consider the bread and the cup, I'm just going to ask Pastor Kevin to lead us in a prayer and to bless and to commit these elements unto the Lord.